This week we continue our series, A Long Time Coming, as we look at the coming prophet who has been told since the time of Moses there is one like him who is going to come, and of that person is, of course, Jesus. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, December 7th, 2014. I can't see if it showed up or not, it's so bright. Can you see a prophet outline in the background? Okay, it did not work with even all our great efforts. Some people have like enemies, like Batman has the Joker and, you know, Jesus obviously has the devil. We have ProPresenter software that does this to us. I spent like 15 extra minutes this morning because it did not work. Got it going. It looked beautiful on the screen and then they do this to us. So you're going to have to imagine, just use your imagination right here. There's an amazing graphic of uh, an outline of a prophet, and it's talking about the coming prophet, because that's what we're talking about today. So, um, uh, Many of you, we've, we're in the middle of a series talking about a long time coming, and we said that to the kids even, the people of Israel waiting for their Savior, they had no idea when he was going to come. So Adam and Eve get this promise, and you can imagine, they said, like, one is going to come that's going to crush the devil's head. I would have assumed it would have been like my kid, you know, because there's nobody else on the planet. You have a kid, and you're like, hey, this has got to be it. It wasn't obviously Cain or Abel or Seth or anything through all these generations and they live and they die and the Savior never comes. And you can imagine the people even at the time of Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. You know, he lives, he dies, his generations live and die and like nobody shows up. And now we're going to get to uh, Matthew. So we have all these promises about the Saviors to come. So we're talking about waiting. Like what are some things that you're waiting for? Like big things, right? Maybe your sports team or um, like your favorite athlete, you're waiting that they win like a World Series or the Super Bowl or, you know, ping pong world title. I don't know who your favorite athlete is, but you know, but you're like waiting for this to happen. Maybe you're waiting to sell a house. I know that's the case for some people. Maybe you're waiting to buy a house. That's our case. Next year, we're going to be buying a house. We're excited about that. Waiting for a promotion. Anyone in that category? waiting to see what the child inside your womb looks like. I think that's a big deal. Even with the cool software that they have where you can see kind of the face, it's still never quite the same. I mean, they don't even look like they look like when they first come out. You're like, hmm. Uh, a little bit of time is good when babies come out. So, um, so, so you're waiting for all these things. You're anticipating these things that are going to be so fantastic. Um, sometimes good, sometimes not so awesome. You ever notice, though, and I think there's a difference, when you wait for something that you've never experienced and you don't know how it's going to go or when it's going to come, the waiting's a little bit different than once you've experienced something. Because I think, like, there's joy and anticipation, but then there's a little bit of angst. And especially if you've experienced something really good and then, like, there's been this downturn and you're thinking, like, when is this going to come back again? So some of you, um, you have... I've gone on a vacation, and it was all fine to go visit relatives, and then suddenly you go to, like, Hawaii, or if you've gone to, like, a cruise ship or something, or you've gone to Mexico, or you've gone to Europe, and you're like, hmm, not like that vacation, and you just can't wait to get there again. How many of you have had a job, and you got paid pretty well in your mind, and then you got a different job, and you don't get paid quite as much, and you're kind of with angst, you're thinking, oh. I kind of miss my old job, and I, I wish I could get back to that status again. I wish I could kind of get to that place. Um, your sports team, you, you struggle with that. You're excited for your sports team. It's not a big deal, I don't think, if you're a Cubs fan. You know they're going to lose forever. If you're a Kansas City fan, you know they're going to lose forever. But Kansas City now, if, not to talk football, 
their team was good for a while and then terrible, that waiting period, like if your team was good two years ago, is like the most painful. I, the Packers in the 80, we never complained. I mean, they were terrible and they couldn't do anything, but suddenly they were good as a, a fan and you're like, every year you expect it and there's this angst that comes with it. I'm guessing that for the people of Israel, at the time of Moses, there would have been some of this angst. You know, this anticipation what was going to come, but there's going to be some angst. So you know their story, and this all kind of ties in, because this is where the clearest prophecy of a new prophet comes from. So um, Moses is the guy, and he's got a special, from the beginning, it even says in Scripture, he's a stias, which means he was a beautiful baby. So this was a few weeks after. So he's a beautiful baby, and you know the story. He gets, you know, of all the kids, as the threat comes, of all the kids, he's the one that goes down the Nile. And of all the kids, he's the one who gets picked up by the princess. He's the one who gets to learn in the palace. He's the one who gets 40 years additional schooling in the school of humility, being a shepherd in Midian. He's the one who decides as a career change through God at 80 years old. I mean, you can imagine that. At 80 years old, I am not looking for a new career. So if I'm still your pastor at 80, um, you might be saying, hey, it's time for a new career for you. But this is where Moses is at. You know, he's tried shepherding for a while, like for a whole career's worth, 40 years you know, he would have had pension, Benny's, you know, everything would have been great. And now he comes back and he goes, hey, time to lead an entire nation of like infantile children out of this world, you know, like lead them against the greatest king of all time um, at, up to that point. So Moses is doing that. And this is like his state of the union address. And you can kind of sense he's just about done. He's at the end of his 40 years. This group of people have never had anybody else who has been their leader. And here Moses stands before them. And you can kind of hear the concern in his voice. He says, For you are a holy people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And you can also sense like the sense of seriousness because he says, listen, God says this is what you should do and you need to obey him. So now we have kind of these clashes, right? This good leader that loves the people, but he's saying, listen, before you go into the promised land, just do me this favor. Listen to God. So now they're getting ready, right? 40 years in the desert, all their parents are dead. I mean, just put your mind around that. I mean, there's no old people around. The only ones left are Joshua and Caleb, that's it. Everyone else is like died off. Every other person was under 20 when they got into the desert. So nobody is like even at retirement age. They've watched all this death happen. They're getting ready to go in the nation. They're getting ready to go to the promised land, which is known for what? When you're a kid, the greatest disappointment in a a description of a nation ever, the land full of milk and honey. Like as a kid, honey is terrible. And unless you have to eat it when you're sick and you're like, oh, this is awful. Maybe on a chicken nugget, it was all right. And milk, you know, milk is milk. That's not like a big deal. If it was like the land of Coca-Cola products and other good candies, you know, that would be great. But no, it's this land full of milk and honey. They're getting ready to go in. Fortified nation. They've got all this power and, and strong. Does that seem like a good time for a leadership change? Now, just imagine we're hanging out here, and it's not that hard because you actually are hanging out here right now. Um, you're, you're here, and we finally get a building, you know, the building with a thousand candles we said last week. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to light fires, and um, it's going to be great. All these things we can't do here. We're going to leave our coffee maker in the hall. It's going to be incredible. So we finally get this building, and just as we're about ready to, it's like moving day, and I just say, hey, and by the way, this is my last sermon ever. I think it's time for a leadership change. 
that doesn't seem like great timing to me. You know, I, I, that's just me. Um, the people, this is the only leader they ever had. And I'm not in any way comparing myself to Moses, but I, I, I think of it this way. In your life, think of the difficult times when you've lost someone who's been the person for your entire life. My grandmother, who's in South Dakota, she's 96. I think she will die before Christmas. So she's in hospice now, um, labored, breathing, you know, all this signs. So I think she's going to die before Christmas. This is the last of my grandparents. Um, my other grandparents are in heaven, and they're not listening. And she's my favorite grandparent, you know, like always had cookies and always had big hugs and always had lefsa. And, and when we, you know, I tell the stories about how we shared pop and we had no money. She would come with like a brand new winter jacket for me. I mean, this was great. She bought me the Lego castle set of legend. Uh, like the yellow Lego castle, I still have it, and I, you know, I should build it in honor of her, because it was like the greatest, it was $40 or something, which at that time, uh, kids, if you can imagine, when I was a kid, that's like a trillion dollars. You could almost buy a car for that. Uh, you, could, you could buy Klaus for that today, but so, you know, now she's going to be gone. That's just my grandmother, though. I mean, at the same time, some of you have lost parents way, way earlier than you should, and you've lost parents, um, you've lost bosses, you know, you lose coaches, you lose teachers, and you sit there and say, I would guess, who is going to be there, especially as a parent and a leader, who's there to guide me? Like, who, who's going to love me, and who's going to give me hugs, and who's going to be the one who sends me off to school? I mean, some of you who lost ki- you know, parents when you're young, who's going to be that person who does that? On kind of a bigger scale, I, do you think the people of Israel... It's like Moses is giving his farewell speech or just like, now what? Like, who is going to talk to us? Who's going to share God's word? What's the worst thing? Those of you who have been married, um, if you've ever been in an argument, I mean, just imagine this hypothetically. You've been in an argument. I've been on both sides of this argument. You get so frustrated um, that someone gives you the silent treatment or you give the silent treatment. I'm not condoning this as an appropriate method, but you've been on either side of this, right? It's actually worse than like someone getting really mad and yelling something. It's, it's actually worse. God, when he says to his people, he doesn't say, listen, um, destruction is going to come if you do this. He doesn't say like you've got to live out the consequences of your sin. Obviously that happens. But God says, if you do not follow me, I'm going to pull my word from you. And in fact... God says, you can just do what you want because I'm going to pull my word from you. They're going to be silent. And I wonder as they get ready, the brink to enter this nation, to fight all these battles, they think, is anyone else going to share God's word with us? It's at that time that Moses shares God's word. He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. In fact, he says a number of times that other people of all the ones, he says, Lord your God is going to raise up a prophet for you, and you're going to see him. And so then we have prophets that do come, right? We've got like Ezekiel, and we've got like Nahum, and we've got uh, Jonah, like all these things in the Old Testament. These prophets come, and they share their word, but everyone is good, but not quite the one. And so now you imagine, um, remember when you found like the perfect car? 
when you remember when you found like the perfect wife? This is, you should be happier about the wife part than the car part. But you, you found like the perfect set of skis or something. You find like the perfect place to eat. It's actually got good sushi. And, or you find good Thai food or you find like a good sandwich or you find like the perfect house, remember? Like you just know the one. You look at house after house after house after house and you're like, this is it, we can just, and then you, you're, you know, you're limited, to, and you're like, hey, we could put the Christmas tree right there. That's like the extent of your imagination, but you know, like you found the right thing. What would it be like if you've been waiting for 1,500 years, and there's this promise of this prophet like Moses who's going to show up, and then he shows up? Well, that happened to a guy named Philip, and Jesus says, come follow me, and Philip is so excited, he chases down Nathaniel, and this is what he says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. We found him. Like 1,500 years, we've been waiting for the one that, that is even better than Moses, and here he is. What's, what's your favorite miracle in the Bible? Don't say the resurrection. You know, that, obviously that's a favorite. I mean, but what's like, of Jesus' miracles, which one would you have wanted to be at the most? And there's little kids that are like, hey, when he defeats the demons, I don't think I wanted to be there. I don't even want to be there. I'm like, just the story end of it, I think, is good for me. Which, which one would you want to see? To me, it's the feeding of the 5,000. Wouldn't that have been just awesome? You know, there's things like you want to be close and not close. And the feeding of the 5,000. And all this food is distributed. And, you know, it's multiplying. And we have these loaves and fishes. And we even have the section uh, that we're going to get to. And... At the end of that, they make this realization, and they ask the question, is this the one? This is a whole different story than Moses and, and Jesus. But they're, you know, they're similar, though, right? Like, Moses and Jesus are actually a lot alike. They both escape death when they're young. Moses in the, the river, and Jesus, as Herod says, I want to kill all the baby boys, he escapes to Egypt ironically, which is also Egypt, but um, they, so they both are like saviors in a way, like Moses saves the people from Egypt, and Jesus saves us, of course, from our sins. They're both mediators, they go between, but what's the biggest difference? Well, yeah, obviously one is God, one is not, and as he describes, Moses tries to describe, he is a representative of the law. He says, listen, I want you to follow the laws because God said you should, and there's consequences when you don't. So here we have justice. Justice is in the news a lot today. Um, has anyone seen? Okay, first we have the Ferguson thing, and this is just separate. I'm not trying to get political. You have the Ferguson thing where there's, you know, contrary eyewitnesses. There's contrary forensic evidence. You know, you're trying to go back and forth. And as an outsider, you're like, I wish I just knew. I wish there was just like some camera there that could show what happened. And then suddenly we got Stanton Island, and there's a camera there. And Obviously, that's a pregnant thing that's going on. There's other things that happened and what went down. But there, have you seen the video? It just, like, makes your heart sink. You know, like, why does this have to happen? Justice is good when justice is happening. It, justice is good when someone does something wrong to you and you say, yes, um, justice needs to be served. But what happens, though, when you're on the other side of that justice? When Moses was getting ready with the people of Israel and you know the story, right? Like there's the Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, it's called. They're on the bottom and there's like lightning and there's thunder and it's dark and it's smoky. The people essentially say, you know, Moses, why don't you go up there? We'll wait down here, right? It's really cool to see stuff from a distance. There's a TV show my kids watch. I can't, what's the name of that show where they blow stuff up? I got to narrow it down probably, where they say dude a lot. 
Is that the name of the store? I wonder what that show's about. The show is called Destroy, Build, Destroy. So you go to this show, and these, these guys say, dude, way, way, way too much. I mean, like, a lot. So they, they, these teenage kids, they have professional guys. They have these dreams up, and they, they, and they build things. And then from a distance, you know, they, have it, and they put all the TNT there, and they even have one of the plungers. Have you said, who doesn't want to operate one of those plungers and just, like, pull the wires out and just have one of the... And they really do. They blow up cars. They blow up... It's really pretty... It's a decent show for that reason. That's really cool when you see bombs blow up from a distance, right? How many of you have dreamed like, man, I wish I could have been like right there when the bomb went off? That's how the people of Israel were. Like Moses goes to the top and they see all this storm. They're like, you know, I'm pretty happy with this view. In fact, it says this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb. On the day of the assembly, when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see his great fire anymore, or we're going to die. And the Lord said, what they say is good, I will raise up a prophet. They look at what's happening up on the mountain, and they're like, you know what? If we actually hear the voice of God, we're going to die because we're going to get freaked out. I mean, you hear the voice of your dad when you're a kid, right? Your dad is angry. Do you remember this? And you can hear, maybe you didn't have a dad who raised his voice ever. Anyone who's like over 30 is like, mm-hmm. You know, so you have this dad who's like fired up. You're, you would just shake. You don't even know what you did wrong. You don't know. It's like hearing the siren. You don't even know what you did wrong. And you're like, oh, check speed, check lanes, check, you know, check everything. Is everything good? And you get this sickening feeling. You hear the voice of like a, a teacher when you know you're not supposed to do something. And then suddenly you hear that voice and you're like, ooh, this isn't good. That's what it's like when you're confronted by the law of God. It's like this x-ray. And, and, God, and when you read God's law, as Moses says, you read God's law and what he expects of you, and you recognize your own sinfulness, it's, it's like your teacher saying something or hearing the siren, suddenly there's this sickening feeling that says, I am not worthy. And when you look at what the law says, it doesn't matter if you're doing better. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, you're, you're better than you were yesterday. It doesn't matter how you compare to other people because God says, listen, I want you to be holy like me. They didn't want to hear God's voice. They didn't want to go up to the mountain. And I think all of us have been in a spot where we say, oh my gosh, I am a miserable sinner that needs God's mercy. But then a prophet comes. And he's like Moses, but not really like Moses. He is perfect, and he is God. And when the people, when and, and Philip finds him, he says, listen, this, this is the guy. And when the people, they, they see this amazing miracle, they don't say like, man, this guy was so charismatic. This guy was so amazing. He was so, you know, like, this is our leader. They say to themselves, after they saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. This might be him. Why does this matter? For the people of Israel, they are about to step foot into a nation that, you know, milk and honey. But it's also a nation with all kinds of false gods. It's a nation with sorcery and demons and like all kinds of other things that are going to pull them apart. And Moses is saying, for the love of God, literally, listen to what God says. I don't think our life's all that much different. 
You ever get, have you gotten to a point where you're, I mean, many of you are working full-time and um, you're busy, and someone just said that. You could say in a sermon, you could look, and look at someone and say, hey, you are the busiest person in the world, and you could look at the other person and say, you're the busiest person in the world, because we all think we're busy. I just saw gifts for people who get it done. There, it was a poster you could give your friend that says, I'm really busy. I think that they'd be great. I could think of people where I want to give. I had a, I, want, I can't share the story. Okay, I can. Um, you guys don't know him. So there's a pastor that would, uh, he would send an email always late, and it would be like this long about how busy he was and why he couldn't respond to something on time. And we thought, man, if you just took like 10 seconds right when it came up, you, you didn't have to say how like busy, 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 busy to my friend. And this is, this is an eighth commandment, is it? It's like eight and a half commandment. So my friend would write back just to me like busy, 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 busy. And then he would sign his name. So anyway, you know, we're all busy. Have you got busy enough though that you just went some answers? You, have you got busy enough where you just want someone to tell you, like, this is what's what? Like, you're so tired, and, you know, it's great to have independent thought, kids. You know, this is fantastic. Think of your own and do your own thing. But you get to a point where you're like, I wish someone would just tell me what I should eat. That would be great. I wish someone would tell me this is what I'm supposed to do. I wish someone would tell me exactly how to do my taxes. I wish someone could tell me. You could, like, argue for or against, like, a Dave Ramsey. You could argue for and against, like, these fitness people. You could argue for and against all of them. But at some time, there's a sense of relief that you can just say, I'm with this guy, or I'm with this person, or I'm doing this, because you don't have to think anymore. My friends, when you step outside these doors, this Advent season, when you, you step out at work, you're not going into a place where everyone is on the same page. You're going to a place where you have so many different ideas about what is right and wrong and what makes sense and what's justice, what's injustice, what's godly, what's ungodly. Isn't it nice to know the prophet has come when you step out into this world and you just lay all those things aside and say, I am trusting you, Lord Jesus, trusting only thee. And to know we had a prophet who's come, a prophet who actually speaks into our lives, a prophet who says, here is my word, that's what it says in Hebrews, right? He used to speak through all the prophets many times, various ways. They'd be waiting for the prophet to talk, waiting and waiting and waiting. And now you just open up your scriptures. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Advent when you, you spend some time in Advent devotion with your family and that, that I enjoy. You just look again and again, what does Jesus have to say about my life today? You don't have to worry about what your friend says. You don't have to worry about what your boss says. You don't have to worry about what anyone says. You say, am I in line with what Jesus says? And only then and then do I listen to what other people says. You know what Jesus says? He says, I didn't come into this world to condemn the world. I came into this world to die for the world, to die for you, and take all those sins away so you can walk knowing that you are a child of God, forgiven in his trust. Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are overwhelmed when we think about all the conflicting ideas that come into our life and trying to make sense of those, and sometimes we're just exhausted. Um, make us never so exhausted that we don't listen to your word. Help us always um, bend down a knee and pray to you, but also wait for your word to give us direction in our life, especially during this Advent season where there's so many things telling us this is what is happiness and this is what is joy, and we know the ultimate joy is knowing you, and you've given us that. Amen.